Decision-Making and Decentralization in EA by William McCaskill. This post is a slightly belated contribution to the strategy fortnight. It represents my personal takes only, I'm not speaking on behalf of any organization I'm involved with. For some context on how I'm now thinking about talking in public, I've made a short-form post here, link. Thanks to the many people who provided comments on a draft of this post. Heading. Intro and Overview. How does decision-making in EA work? How should it work? In particular, to what extent is decision-making in EA centralized, and to what extent should it be centralized? These are the questions I'm going to address in this post. In what follows, I'll use EA to refer to the actual set of people, practices, and institutions in the EA movement, rather than EA as an idea. My broad view is that EA as a whole is currently in the worst of both worlds with respect to centralization. We get the downsides of appearing, to some, like a single entity without the benefits of tight coordination and clear decision-making structures that centralized entities have. It's hard to know whether the right response to this is to become more centralized or less. In this post, I'm mainly hoping just to start a discussion of this issue, as it's one that impacts a wide number of decisions in EA. At a high level, though, I currently think that the balance of considerations tends to push in favor of decentralization relative to where we are now. But centralization isn't a single spectrum, and we can break it down into subcomponents. I'll talk about this in more depth later in the post, but here are some ways in which I think EA should become more decentralized. Hash hash perception. At the very least, wider perception should reflect reality on how decentralized EA is. That means Core organizations and people should communicate clearly, and repeatedly, about their roles and what they do and do not take ownership for. I agree with Joey Savoy's post, which he wrote independently of this one. We should, insofar as we can, cultivate a diversity of EA-associated public figures. Maybe, the EA forum could be renamed. Note that many decisions relating to CEA will wait until it has a new executive director. Maybe, CEA could be renamed. This is suggested by Kaleem here. That's the end of that list. Funding, it's hard to fix, but it would be great to have a greater diversity of funding sources. That means. Recruiting more large donors. Some significant donor or donors start a regranters program. More people pursue earning to give, or donate more, though I expect this, diversity of funding, consideration to have already been baked into most people's decision-making on this. Luke Freeman has a moving essay about the continued need for funding here. That's the end of that list. Decision-making. Here's a list of bullet points. Some projects that are currently housed within EV could spin out and become their own legal entities. The various different projects within EV have each been thinking through whether it makes sense for them to spin out. I expect around half of the projects will ultimately spin out over the coming year or two, which seems positive from my perspective. Maybe, CEA could partly dissolve into sub-projects. That's the end of that list. Culture. We could try to go further to emphasize that there are many conclusions that one could come to on the grounds of EA values and principles and celebrate cases where people pursue heterodox paths, as long as their actions are clearly non-harmful. Here are some ways in which I think EA could, ideally, become more centralized, though these ideas crucially depend on someone taking them on and making them happen. Information flow. 
Someone could create a guide to what EA is, in practice. All the different projects, and the roles they fill, and how they relate to one another. Someone could create something like an intra-EA magazine, providing the latest updates and featuring interviews with core EAs. Someone could take on a project of consolidating the best EA content and ideas, for example into a quarterly journal. That's the end of that list. Subheading. Provision of other services that benefit the EA ecosystem as a whole. Someone could set up an organization or a team that's explicitly taking on the task of assessing, monitoring and mitigating ways in which EA faces major risks and could thereby fail to provide value to the world or even cause harm. Someone could set up a leadership fast-track program. That's the end of that list. And here are a couple of ways in which things are already highly decentralized and in my view shouldn't change. Ownership. No one owns EA as a brand or its core ideas. Group membership. Anyone can call themselves a part of the EA movement. Thinking through the issue of decentralization has also led me to plan to make some changes to how I operate in a decentralized direction. Decision making. I plan to step down from the board of Effective Ventures UK once we have more capacity. Perception. I plan to go further to distance myself from the idea that I'm the face of EA or a spokesperson for all of EA. This hasn't been how I've ever seen myself, but is how I'm sometimes perceived. In a being helpful where I can weigh, rather than taking ownership for this thing, way, I'm also spending some time trying to bring in new donors and help support other potential public figures. I'm not doing anything, for now, in the direction of further centralization. A final caveat I'll make on all the above is that this is how I see things for now. The question of centralization is super hard, and what makes sense will change depending on the circumstances of the time. Early EA, prior to approximately 2015, was notably less centralized than it was after that point, and I think that at that time increased centralization was a good thing. In the future, I'm sure there will be further changes that will make sense, too, in both decentralized and centralized directions. The rest of this post is structured as follows. First, I give an overview of how decision-making currently works in EA, as it seems to me. Second, I give a high-level discussion of the question of where EA should be on the centralization spectrum, making comparisons with other movements or groups. Finally, I get into specifics of things that could or should change. That's the end of that list. Heading. How decision-making works in EA. A number of people have commented on the forum that they don't feel they understand how decision-making works in EA, and I've sometimes seen misinformation floating around, this confusion is often about how centralized EA is. So I'm going to try to clarify things a bit. It's tough to describe the situation exactly, because the reality is a middle ground between a highly centralized decision-making entity like a company and complete anarchy. And where exactly EA lies between those two extremes often depends on what exactly we're talking about. Anyway, here goes. Some ways in which the EA movement is centralized. A single funder, Open Philanthropy, OP, allocates the large majority, around 70%, of funding that goes to EA movement building. If you want to do an EA movement building project with a large budget, $1 million per year or more, you probably need funding from OP, for the time being at least. Vaidhai Agarwala's outstandingly helpful recent post gives more information. Effective Ventures US and UK, EV, currently house the majority of EA movement building work. 
The senior figures in EA are in fairly regular communication with each other, though there's probably less UK less than greater than US communication than there should be. It's not totally determinate who is a senior figure, and it varies over time, but the current list of people would at least include Nick Beckstead, Alexander Berger, Max Dalton, Holden Karnofsky, Howie Lempel, Brenton Meyer, Tasha McCauley, Toby Ord, Lincoln Quirk, Nicole Ross, Eli Rose, Zach Robinson, James Snowden, Ben Todd, Ben West, Claire Zabel, and me. All of these people have had or currently have positions at OP or senior positions at EV. Usually, there's an annual meeting, the Coordination Forum, formerly called the Leaders Forum, usually of around 30 people, which is run by CEA largely as a UN conference for senior or core people. This year, there hasn't been an equivalent so far, but there will probably be one later in the year. Normally, before someone embarks on a major project, they get feedback from a wide variety of people on the project, and there's a culture of not taking unilateralist action if most other people think that the project is harmful, even if it seems good to the person considering it. Ideally, in a binary choice and given a number of assumptions, one pursues the action if it's positive, expected value, on the median estimate of the actions, expected value, among the people assessing it. It's debatable the extent to which this rule is followed in practice in EA, or the extent to which the simple models in that paper are good guides to reality. That's the end of that list. Some ways in which EA is decentralized. There's no one, and no organization, who conceives of themselves as taking ownership of EA, or as being responsible for EA as a whole. There's an indented list here. First point. CEA doesn't see itself in this way. For example, here it says, we do not think of ourselves as having or wanting control over the EA community. We believe that a wide range of ideas and approaches are consistent with the core principles underpinning EA, and encourage others to identify and experiment with filling gaps left by our work. EV doesn't see itself in this way, and it includes projects that don't consider themselves to be part of the EA movement or engaged in EA movement building, such as Center for the Governance of AI, Longview Philanthropy, and Wytham Abbey. Next point. The partial exception to this is Sayers Community Health Team on issues of misconduct in the community, though even there they are well aware of the limited amount of control they have. That's the end of the indented list. There is no trademark on effective altruism. Anyone can start a project that has effective altruism in the name. There's no requirement for EA organizations to be affiliated with effective ventures, and many aren't, such as Rethink Priorities the Global Challenges Project and some country-level organizations such as Effective Altruism UK. There are a number of distinct core EA projects, CEA, 80,000 Hours, Giving What We Can, Rethink Priorities, Global Challenges Project, etc., that make independent strategic plans. There's no CEO or leadership team of EA. There aren't any formal roles that would be equivalent to C-level executives at a company. It's vague who counts as a senior EA. Across effective ventures US and UK, for example, in practice decision-making is currently shared between two boards, two CEOs, and the CEO or executive director of every project within the legal entities, for example CEA, 80,000 hours, giving what we can, EA funds, Center for the Governance of AI, etc., who develop their project's annual plans and strategy including making many of the most important decisions relevant to the movement as a whole, for example how to do marketing, and which target audience to have. There are a number of what in absolute terms are major donors, 
as well as a diversity of funding opportunities from places like EA Funds and the Survival and Flourishing Fund. They are generally very keen to fund things that they think OP is overlooking. Generally, I find there's a very positive attitude among senior EAs for competition within the EA ecosystem. There's an indented list here. First point. The Global Challenges Project is illustrative. Emma Abiel and James Arng thought that CEA was doing a suboptimal job with some student groups. So they set up their own project, got funding from Open Philanthropy, and did a great job. Next point. Similarly, Probably Good was set up as being, in some ways, a competitor to 80,000 Hours, because the founders thought that 80,000 Hours was lacking in some important ways. It has received support from Open Philanthropy and encouragement from 80,000 Hours. That's the end of the indented list. That's the end of that list. In general, coordination is pretty organic and informal, and happens in one of two ways. 1. People or organizations come up with plans, proactively get feedback on their plans, get told the ways in which their plans are good or bad, and they revise them. 2. Someone, or some people, have an idea that they think should exist in the world, and then shop it around to see if someone wants to take it on. That's the end of the numbered list. Overall, the best analogy I can think of is that EA functions as a duocracy. Here is a short article on duocracy, which is well worth reading. A slogan to define duocracy, which I like, is, if you want something done, do it, but remember to be excellent to each other when doing so. Where, within EA, that would be excellent, caveat covers non-unilateralism and taking externalities across the movement seriously. I think this both represents how EA actually works, and how most senior EAs understand it as working. I think that the main way EA departs from being a duocracy is that many people might not perceive it that way, very naturally, because it hasn't yet been publicly defined that way, there's a culture where sometimes people feel afraid of unilateralism, even in cases where that fear doesn't make sense. If that's true, it means that some people don't do things because they feel they aren't allowed to or perhaps because they think that someone else has responsibility, or has figured it all out. Compared to a highly centralized entity like a company, the semi-decentralized, duocracy nature of EA has a few important upshots. This is the part of the post I feel most nervous about writing, because I'm worried that others will interpret this as me, and other, EA leaders, disavowing responsibility, I'm already anxiously visualizing criticism on this basis. But it seems both important and true to me, so I still want to convey it. The upshots are. If something bad happens, it's natural to look for who is formally responsible for the problem. And, in a company, there's always someone who is ultimately formally responsible. Responsibility bottoms out with the CEO. But, often, the answer is that there's no one who was formally responsible, and no one who was formally responsible for making sure that someone was formally responsible. It's difficult for calls along the lines of, something should be done about X, or, EA should do Y, to have traction, unless the call to action is targeted at some particular person or project, because there's no one who's ultimately in charge of EA, and who is responsible for generally making the whole thing go well. See Liska Vaintrob's excellent post on this here. The reason for something happening or not happening is often less deep than one might expect, boiling down to, someone tried to make it happen, or, no one tried to make it happen, rather than, this was the result of some carefully considered overarching strategy. Moreover, the list of things it would be good to do is very long, and the bottleneck is normally there being someone with the desire, ability and spare capacity to take it on. 
thoughts of I'm sure this is the way it is because some more well-informed people have figured it out, are often incorrect, especially about things that aren't happening. That's the end of that list. I get the sense that the above points mark a major difference in how many people who work for core EA org see decision-making in EA working, and how it's perceived by some in the wider community. I have some speculative hypotheses about why there's this discrepancy, but it's a big digression so I've put it into a footnote. When thinking about how centralized or not EA is, or should be, it can be helpful to have in mind concrete potential analogies, and the strengths and weaknesses they have. Here's a spectrum of organizations, in descending order from more to less centralized, as it seems to me. Communist dictatorships, for example North Korea. The US Army. Most companies, for example Apple. Highly centralized religious groups, for example Mormonism. Franchises, for example McDonald's. The Scouts. Mixed economies, the US, UK. Registered clubs and sports groups, for example the United States Golf Association, USA Basketball. Intergovernmental decision-making. Fairly decentralized religious groups, for example Protestantism, Buddhism. Most social movements, for example British abolitionism, the American civil rights movement. The scientific community. Most intellectual movements, for example behaviorism. The US startup scene. That's the end of that list. This is highly subjective but it seems to me the overall level of centralization within EA is currently similar to fairly decentralized religious groups, and many social movements. It can also be helpful to break down centralization into sub-dimensions, such as Decision-making power To what extent is what the group as a whole does determined by a small group of decision-makers? There's an indented list here. First point. Are these decision-making structures formal or informal? Do these decision-makers have control over resources, including financial resources? Who is accountable for success or failure? Are these accountability mechanisms formal or informal? That's the end of the indented list. Ownership. Is there legal ownership of constitutive aspects of the group, for example intellectual property, branding? Group membership. How strong is the ability to determine membership in the group? How hard is it for someone in the group to leave? How hard is it for someone outside of the group to enter? And how tightly defined is group membership? Are there formal mechanisms for doing this, or merely informal? Information flow. To what extent does information flow merely from decision-makers down to other group members, and to what extent does it flow back up to decision-makers, or horizontally from one non-decision-maker to another? Culture. Do people within the group feel empowered to think and act autonomously, or do they feel they ought to defer to the views of high-status individuals within the group, or to the majority view within the group? That's the end of that list. On these dimensions, it seems to me that EA is currently fairly decentralized on group membership and information flow, very decentralized on ownership, and in the middle on decision-making power and culture. Heading. Should EA be more or less centralized? At the moment, it seems to me we're in the worst of both worlds, where many people think that EA is highly centralized, whereas really it's in between. We get the downsides of appearing, to some, like one entity without the benefits of tight coordination. For many issues, there's a risk that people generally feel that the central groups and people will be in charge of all issues impacting EA and so there's no need to do anything about any gaps they perceive, even when that's not the case. 
I'll talk more about specific ways EA could centralize or decentralize in the next section. If we were going broadly in the direction of further centralization, then, for example, CEA could explicitly consider itself as governing the community and explicitly take on more roles. Going further in that direction, there could even be a membership system for being part of EA, like the Scouts has. If we were going broadly in the direction of further decentralization, then CEA could change its name and perhaps separate into several distinct projects, some more projects could spin out of effective ventures, and we could all more loudly communicate that EA is a decentralized movement and cultivate a decentralized culture. I'll give the broad case both for and against further centralization or decentralization, and then get into specifics. The broad case for further centralization includes, in no particular order. There are some issues or activities that concern the community as a whole, or where there are major positive and negative externalities, or natural monopolies. These include. There's an indented list here. First point. The handling of bad actors within EA, who can cause harm to the whole of the movement. Info hazards, for example around BioX risk. Issues that impact on EA's brand. For example, whether to associate with a very public new donor, or whether to run a public EA campaign. That's the end of the indented list. Given the ubiquity of fat-tailed distributions, semi-centralization is almost inevitable. Wealth is heavily fat-tailed, so it's very likely that one or a small number of funders end up accounting for most funding. Similarly, fame, measured by things like number of social media followers, media mentions, or books sold, also seems to be fat-tailed, so it's likely that one or a small number of people will end up accounting for most of the attention that goes towards specific people. We can try to combat this, but we'll be fighting against strong forces in the other direction. The non-profit world is very unlike a marketplace. Crucially, there isn't a price mechanism, which can aggregate decentralized information and indicate how the provision of goods and services should be prioritized, and thereby incentivize the production of goods and services that are most needed. So common arguments within economics that, under some conditions, favor something like market competition, don't cleanly port over. Centralization can enable greater control over the movement in potentially desirable ways. Somewhat analogously, governments can help control an economy by printing money, setting interest rates, and so on. There's an indented list here. First point. For example, as movements grow, there's a risk that their ideals become diluted over time, regressing to the mean of wider society's views. Centralization can be a way of preventing or slowing that tendency. Perhaps the ideal growth rate for EA is faster or slower than the organic growth rate. In the absence of coordination, some projects might get started, or continue, for unilateralists' curse type reasons. Naturally, there will be a range of assessments of how good a potential or existing project is, and in the absence of coordination, or at least information sharing, those who think the project is best will go ahead with it, even if it's overall a bad idea. Centralization can help enforce quality control, preventing low-integrity or low-quality projects from damaging the wider public's perception of EA. That's the end of the indented list. Decentralization risks redundancy, with multiple people working on very similar projects. Centralization gets benefits from economies of scale, there are certain things you only need to do or figure out once. For example setting up a legal entity, having accounting, legal, HR departments, etc. No matter how the EA movement is structured, onlookers will often treat it as a single entity, 
interpreting actions from any one person or organization as representative of the whole. It seems harder for a decentralized movement to centralize than it is for a centralized movement to decentralize. So, trying to be as centralized as possible at the moment preserves option value. That's the end of that list. The broad case for further decentralization includes, in no particular order. People in EA are doing a wide variety of things, and it's hard for one organization to speak to and satisfy all the different subcultures within EA at once. There are very different needs and interests from, for example, student activists, academics, people working in national security, old-time rationalists, major philanthropists, etc., and among people working in different cause areas. Relatedly, decentralized decision-making benefits from local knowledge. The way EA should be thought about or communicated across causes and countries will be very different. Decisions about how EA should be adapted to those contexts are probably best done by people with the most knowledge about those contexts. Even if the non-profit world is significantly unlike a for-profit marketplace, there are still good arguments for thinking that competition can be highly beneficial, resulting in better organizations and products. This is both because, 1, competition means that people can choose the better service, 2, competition incentivizes better service provision among the competitors. In contrast, centrally planned groups are often slow-moving, bureaucratic, and ineffective. Any centralized entity would be very unlike a government. It couldn't forcibly tax its members, or enforce its policies through its own legal system. So common arguments within economics and political science that, under some conditions, favor something like government action, don't cleanly port over. Most activities within EA don't concern the community as a whole, or have major positive and negative externalities, or natural monopolies. Centralization can be less empowering. Suppose that there's some activity X that would be well worth doing, and benefit all of EA, but the central entities haven't done it, for bad reasons. Then, if the widespread understanding is that the movement is centralized, X just won't happen. Other parties will believe that the central entities have got it covered. Centralization is more fragile in some ways. If, for example, there was only one EA organization, then the collapse of that one organization would mean the collapse of EA as a whole. There's a risk that EA ossifies in thought, becoming locked into a certain set of founding beliefs or focuses. In particular, if there's a set of early highly influential thinkers, and the views of those early thinkers become the default such that it's much harder for the movement as a whole to reason away from those views, then, in the likely event that those early thinkers are mistaken in some important ways, that would be very bad. This risk could be especially likely if people who aren't sympathetic to those particular beliefs are more likely to bounce off the movement, so the movement becomes disproportionately populated with people sympathetic to those beliefs. Centralization might increase this risk. There's an indented list here. First point. This seems to happen in science. Max Planck famously quipped that science advances, one funeral at a time, and some recent evidence, which I haven't vetted, suggests that's correct. And it often seems to happen in other social and intellectual movements, too. That's the end of the indented list. The tractability of further centralization seems low. This is for a few reasons. There's an indented list here. First point. If there's some central grand plan for how EA should be, if some people disagree with that plan, there's not really much in the way of enforcement that a central body can do. At the moment, people can't get fired or kicked out of EA.
They can get disinvited to EA events, not funded by groups that agree, removed from the EA forum, and information about them being a bad actor can be percolated, but that's not necessarily enough to prevent them continuing. And these actions would seem harsh as a response to someone simply disagreeing with a strategic plan. Ultimately, if some person, organization, or group wants to do something and call it EA, they just can. This means that centralization efforts risk being toothless. One could try to change this, for example by having a membership system like many political parties have and some advocacy groups, for example the Sierra Club or the NAACP, have. But I think that, even if that seemed desirable, trying to implement that seems extremely hard. Next point. It's hard to see who would lead a centralization effort. They'd need to have a combination of ability, desire, and legitimacy within the movement, without it also being the case that it's more important for them to work on something else. That's the end of the indented list. That's the end of that list. Of these, the biggest considerations in favor of centralization, in my view, are option value and the handling of bad actors. The biggest considerations in favor of decentralization are worries about ossification and lock-in the benefits of competition, and, above all, that I think the tractability of further centralization seems low. As I mentioned at the outset, there's not a single spectrum of centralization to decentralization, and I'll get into specifics in the next section. Overall, I think the arguments on average broadly tend towards further decentralization rather than centralization. But I'm still very unsure. There are tough trade-offs here. If centralized, you get fewer bad projects, but fewer good projects, too, you get less redundancy, but less innovation. So, even though I'm broadly in favor of further decentralization, if there was, for example, a new executive director of CEA or someone at Open Philanthropy who really wanted to take the mantle on, and could build the legitimacy needed to pull it off, I'd be interested to see them experiment with centralization in some areas and see how that goes. Going back to the list of comparisons. I feel like the level of decentralization in the scientific community or intellectual movements are in the vein of what we should aim for. The analogy I like best, at the moment, is with specific scientific academic communities. I know most about the analytic philosophy community. Here are some notable aspects of that community, where I think the analogy is helpful. Feel free to skip the sub-bullets if you aren't interested in the details. I'm also not claiming that we should emulate the analytic philosophy community just that it's an interesting analogue in terms of level of, de-centralization. Here's a list of bullet points. Centralized bodies tend to take the form of provision of services rather than top-down control. They tend to arise because some person or group has unilaterally offered them and they've had widespread adoption. Often, there are different groups offering the same services. There's an indented list here. First point. The closest thing to a centralized body in analytic philosophy is the American Philosophical Association. What they do is limited, though, and as a philosopher you rarely interact with them or think about them, they aren't a very powerful force within the field of analytic philosophy. There's an indented list here. First point. It runs what I believe are the three largest philosophy conferences. First round interviews for US tenure-track philosophy jobs are usually held at one of these conferences. It provides some grants, fellowships, and funds. It provides some online resources, too, although they don't seem very influential. I think it used to host adverts for jobs in philosophy, but then PhilJobs did the same thing, but better so they now use PhilJobs. That's the end of the indented list. 
Some other examples of centralized services in philosophy. There's an indented list here. First point. Journals. Nowadays, their key role is to act as quality stamps on philosophical output. The prestige of different journals is generally well known, and publication in a particular journal is understood as a way of, 1. Indicating to other philosophers that this piece of work might be worth looking at, 2. Providing evidence of the quality of a philosopher's work for hiring committees and tenure committees. Different journals are run by different groups, traditionally by universities or publishers. More recently, Philosopher's Imprint was founded by two philosophers who thought they could create an online and open access journal that was better run than existing journals, and it's been very successful. The Philosophical Gourmet Report ranks graduate programs in philosophy by surveying leading philosophers on the impressions of quality of faculty at the different departments. It's very influential. It was originally created single-handedly by one philosopher, Brian Leiter. It has some competitors, such as the Pluralist's Guide to Philosophy, the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, which functions as the go-to textbook within philosophy. Two philosophers, David Boger and David Chalmers, created a range of services. Phil Jobs is a job board for philosophy positions. Phil Papers is an index and bibliography of philosophy, and also runs a survey of philosophers' beliefs. Phil Events is a calendar of conferences and workshops. Various surveys of journal rankings. Daily Nouse and Lighter Reports, two blogs which aggregate news in the philosophical world. That's the end of the indented list. Some fields have some limited amount of top-down control. There's an indented list here. First point. For example, the American Psychiatric Association defines key terms in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which are widely accepted. I think it would be great if EA had some key defined terms like this. I think this to an ever greater extent with AI safety. Next point. The climate physics and climate economics communities have the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which attempts to represent consensus views within these fields. I don't see an obvious plausible analog within EA, something similar, but massively toned down, like an encyclopedia, could be very helpful. That's the end of the indented list. That's the end of the indented list. Change in what philosophers work on, or how they operate, generally happens organically, as a result of many individuals' decisions about what is important or how philosophy should be done. There is sometimes explicit commentary on how philosophy should be done or what it should focus on, but when that's influential, it's usually because arguments have been made by people with a long-established track record of excellent work. For example, this from John Broom or this from Timothy Williamson. There's an enormous amount of internal disagreement among philosophers. Analytic philosophy is defined much more by a methodology, clear, rigorous argument, a set of defining questions, free will, the nature of morality, etc., and an intellectual tradition, than by any particular set of views. I think this is true in other areas of science, too, although the amount of disagreement is usually lower. And sometimes we really just know things and there's not really a way to be a good scientist on the topic while having heterodox beliefs. For example believing in telekinesis, or that the earth is only 6,000 years old. I think the amount of agreement that should be expected within effective altruism should be closer to that within philosophy rather than, within physics, which has a much larger body of very high confidence knowledge. There aren't strict membership conditions for being a philosopher. For example, you don't need to be employed by a university. 
membership criteria exist in other fields, though, like medicine. Medicine also provides a nice distinction between being a researcher and being a clinician or practitioner, which ports over to effective altruism, too. That's the end of that list. I'm not claiming that EA should exactly mirror the analytic philosophy community. And it would be a suspicious coincidence if it were the best model. I'm using it as an example for calibration, a concrete analogy of the level of centralization we might want. In particular, reflection on it makes vivid to me the extent to which we can have community-wide services without centralization, as a result of individuals noticing that some service isn't being provided and setting something up to provide it. On this broad view, what EA should aspire to be is not a club, a social movement, an identity, or an alliance of specific causes. And it should only be a community or a professional network in a broad sense. Instead, it should aspire to be more like a field, like the fields of philosophy, or medicine, or economics. Heading. Getting more specific. Given all the above, what are some more specific upshots? Here are some tentative suggestions. First, there are some moves in the direction of decentralization that seem very robustly good, and many of which are happening anyway. Subheading. Perception. Here's a list of bullet points. Reflect reality on how centralized we are. There's an indented list here. 1. Inaccurate perceptions on this seem like all downside to me. 2. Assuming I'm right that, currently, perception doesn't match reality. It means the core projects and people in EA should communicate more about what they are and are not taking responsibility for. There's an indented list here. A. This post is trying to help with that. B. But more generally, now that EA is the size it is, I suspect it means that core projects and people will need to communicate some basic things about themselves many, many times, even though it'll feel very repetitive to them. End of the indented list. End of the indented list. Encourage a broader range of EA-affiliated public figures. 1. I'd love there to be a greater diversity of people who are well-known as EA advocates, reflecting the intellectual, demographic and cultural diversity within the movement. That's the end of that list. Funding. Here's a list of bullet points. Get more major donors. There's an indented list here. 1. This would be a very clear win, though it's hard to achieve. 2. There are a handful of EA-aligned potential donors who might possibly become significant donors over the next few years. But there's no one who I expect to be as major, in particular within EA movement building, as OP. End of the indented list. Restart a regranter's program. 1. This would have to be done by OP or some other major donor, it would give more power over funding decisions to more people. More people donate more or earn to give there's an indented list here. 1. One way this plays out is that, because OP aims to limit the amount they contribute to most organizations, and in some cases has imposed limits on how much of the budget they want to support, funders donating to those organizations in effect can reallocate open fill funding towards those orgs. 2. Of course, increasing funding diversity is only one consideration among very many when making career decisions. End of the indented list. That's the end of that list. Decision-making. Some projects should spin out from EV. There's an indented list here. 1. Especially as projects grow in size, I think this makes sense from their perspective. It allows the projects to have greater autonomy. And it'll have benefits across the EA movement, too. 2. The various projects under EV have been thinking this through, and weighing the costs and benefits. 
my guess is that around half will ultimately spin out over the next year or two. If this happens, it seems like a positive development to me. End of the indented list. Subheading. Culture. Celebrate diversity. We could try to go further to emphasize that there are many conclusions that one could come to on the grounds of EA values and principles, and celebrate cases where people pursue heterodox paths, as long as their actions are clearly non-harmful. This can be tough to do, because it means praising someone for taking what, in your view, is the wrong, in the sense of suboptimal, decision. That's the end of that list. Then there are some steps I can personally take in the direction of decentralization and that seem like clear wins to me. I plan to step down from the board of Effective Ventures UK once we have more capacity. I'm not currently sure on timelines for that. I'll note I've also been recused from all decision-making relating to EV's response to the FTX collapse. I've been in the role for 11 years, and now feels like a natural time to move on. I think there are a lot of people who could do this role well, and me stepping down gives an opportunity for someone else to step up. I think that this will move EA in a decentralized direction on the dimension of both perception and decision-making power. Distance myself from the idea that I'm, the, face of EA. I've never thought of myself this way, let alone as, the leader, and there have always been many high-profile EA advocates. But others, especially in the media, have sometimes portrayed or viewed me in this way. Trying to correct this will hopefully be a step in the direction of decentralization on the perception and culture dimensions. There's an indented list here. First point. Implementing this in practice will be tricky. In particular, if a journalist is writing about me, they are incentivized to play up my importance to make their story or interview seem more interesting. But I'll take the opportunities one can to make it explicit to people that I'm talking with. I'm going to avoid giving opening and closing talks at EAGs for the time being. I'm also going to try to provide even more support to other EA and EA-aligned public figures and have spent a fair amount of time on that this year so far. Prior to the What We Owe the Future launch, I don't think I'd appreciated the extent to which people saw me as the spokesperson, and then the magnitude of coverage around What We Owe the Future made that issue more severe. Next point. I think that this will be healthier for me, healthier for the movement, and more accurate, too. It doesn't make sense for there to be a single spokesperson for EA, because EA is not a monolith and there's a huge diversity of views within the movement. If you want to read more discussion, I wrote a draft blog post, which I probably won't publish beyond this, somewhat jokingly titled, Will McCaskill should not be the face of EA, here, which explains some more of my thinking. That's the end of the indented list. That's the end of that list. There are some other changes in EA that would move in a decentralized direction that seem plausible to me, but where it's less obvious would need a lot more thought, and all the decision should be made by the head of the relevant organization. In particular, often the decisions are clearly something that needs to wait for Sayer's next executive director. For example, rename CEA. The key argument here is that having an organization called Center for Effective Altruism suggests more top-down control than there is. Rename the EA Forum. There's an indented list here. First point. At worst, the current name means that some people can, deliberately or unintentionally, claim that some post on the forum, represents EA. But more generally, the name also suggests that the content on the forum is more representative of EA than it really is. Whereas really the content on the forum will form a biased sample of thought in a whole bunch of ways.
It ll heavily overrepresent people who are extremely online or who have strong views, and it'll also just introduce randomness, as it's pretty stochastic what topics happen to get written about at any particular time. Next point. I'm also struggling to think of real benefits for it to have EA in the name. If it does get renamed, I want to make a semi-serious pitch for it to be called, More Good. That's the end of the indented list. Dissolve CEA into sub-projects. There's an indented list here. First point. CEA does a lot of different things and it's not super obvious why they should all operate within the same project. Next point. Previously, EA funds spun out from CEA, and that move has seemed pretty successful. Another more complicated example is giving what we can, which was separate, then merged with CEA, then separated again. That's the end of the indented list. That's the end of that list. In the direction of greater centralization, the things I find myself most excited about are projects that offer services to the wider movement, rather than trying to control the wider movement. These needn't all be in one organization, and there are some good reasons for thinking they could be in separate projects, or just run on the side by people. Here are some ideas. A guide to what the EA movement is, answer lots of frequently asked questions. Analogy. Guides to festivals. An organization devoted to assessing, monitoring and reducing major risks to EA, ways in which EA could lose out on most of its value. An EA leadership fast-track program, providing mentorship and opportunities to people who could plausibly enter senior positions at EA, or EA-adjacent organizations in the future. An EA journal or magazine that has an issue every three months for very high-quality content about EA or issues relevant to EA. At the moment, I feel the forum system and blog culture incentivizes large quantities of lower-quality content, rather than essays that have been worked on more intensively and iterated over the course of months. An organization that's squarely and wholly focused on applied cause prioritization research, with a particular eye to ways that EA might currently be misallocating time or money. Given the nature of EA as a project, it's remarkable to me how little applied cause prioritization research is done, in particular compared to how much outreach is done. An ongoing survey of the movement to gauge what other things should be on the above list. That's the end of that list. Heading. Conclusion. This post has covered a lot of ground. I hope that, at least, the overview of how I see decision-making in EA actually working has been helpful. I've offered my thoughts about how decision-making in EA should evolve, but I'll emphasize again that this issue is really tough. I am confident I'll have made errors, missed out important considerations, and I'm not at all confident that the upshots I've suggested are correct. But I think it's an important conversation, at least, to have. This article was narrated by Type 3 Audio for the Effective Altruism Forum. To report an issue or give feedback on this narration, go to t3a.is.